The Gospel of John, in chapter 10, Jesus is speaking, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep, but climbs up some other way, he is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he puts forth all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him, because they know his voice. A stranger they simply will not follow, but will flee from him, because they do not know the voice of strangers. So he's making it very clear. The only way to the Father is Jesus. The only way to, the sal- to salvation for an afterlife is Jesus. We have to both accept him in our hearts and with our mouths, and then we're saved in the afterlife. The only way into eternal life in your present life is Jesus. He is the only way to come into his kingdom. There is a narrow gate, and it's Jesus. We must die to ourselves and give our lives to him, just as he died to himself and gave his life for us. You see, this is, this is complete unity, that we follow him. He said, pick up my cross and follow, pick up your cross and follow me. That we enter into his life. That we be willing to leave the old life behind and follow him. Sheep, apparently, have never owned a sheep. But apparently, they, um, they're very skittish creatures. And they basically run from everything other than what they know as their leader. So if it's a wild herd of sheep, if anything still exists, um, there's one that's the leader and they follow that leader. Um, if they have a shepherd, they know he's the leader. And they follow him. Jesus says he is the shepherd. He says, if you are his sheep, you will hear his voice and you will not follow any others. So many, he says elsewhere, many other voices come up, especially in our time, that many other voices come up and many will follow those voices. But he says, my sheep know my voice and only follow my voice. This figure of speech, Jesus spoke to them, but they did not understand what those things were, which he had been saying to them, which is a common theme while he was alive. So Jesus said to them again, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. So he says, if you come into his life, then you're able to come in and out to find pasture. You're able to go in and out of the world, but stay in his life. The thief, the the evil one, the devil, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And he sends many people that, as we just read yesterday... Um, follow after that way. You know, he's their master. If we're not led by Christ, led by God, then we are led by the enemy in, in one way or another. Obviously, the vast majority of people not realizing that. And he, his whole purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy you. So, but he said, if you know my voice, if you follow me, you're able to enter into my life, And then you're able to walk in the world still in my life, going out, finding pasture, and being safe in me because you are my life. And, of course, it's not saying here, but you're able to then give my life. 
I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. So he says, the life that we're living without him, it falls far short. It's a pale, pale, terrible copy of the real thing. I came to give you real life, Jesus says, and it's abundant life. 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who is not the owner of the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand, and he is not concerned about the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my own, and my own know me. Even as Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep which are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will hear my voice. They will become one flock with one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life so that I may take it again. No one has taken it away from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This commandment I received from my Father. This is really powerful, and he's, he's kind of shifting here, so let's break it down. He's continuing with the shepherd theme. He said, I am that good shepherd that I've been discussing, leading my sheep. But I lay different than uh, uh, someone, if, uh, what, he, what he's saying is, if you hired uh, someone to shepherd your sheep, and something, you know, depending on how scared they are, hopefully you're not scared of a, hopefully you don't hire a shepherd that's scared of a wolf, but, um, but, but I guess, I, you know, again, I'm not around that world. Maybe some of them, some shepherds were scared of wolves. Whatever it is, something comes up that's really scary. If it's not your sheep, if it's a leader of, of people, but all of a sudden things get too hot for them and hot in the kitchen, they're going to run. He says, no matter how hot it gets in the kitchen, I will stay in the kitchen because you are my sheep. If, if you're a shepherd and those are your sheep, that's your entire livelihood. That's like, that's everything you are. That's the food on your family's table. That's your family's future. That's your clothing. I mean, that's everything. That's your entire livelihood is these sheep. So it doesn't matter how scary a wolf comes out, you are fighting that wolf. You are, you know, there, there's nothing, <laughs> there's nothing that's going to make you run from your sheep because that, that is all that you are and all that you have. And Jesus is saying, that's what I am to my sheep. I am willing to lay down my life for my sheep because they are mine and I am theirs. I will give my life for them that I may put my life in them and they will be my life. And he says, for this reason, the father loves me. See the difference between him and Adam? Adam didn't have to do anything so difficult. He just had to not eat the one fruit, but he chose to go his own way. Jesus has to do an excruciatingly difficult thing. And he's surrounded by people all tempting him to go another way, which again, Adam didn't have. And he is laying down his life in complete obedience to the Father. He says the Father loves us. He's finally fulfilled the vision God had for mankind. And so he becomes the, the archetype for all mankind and the gate into the way of God in mankind. Because I lay down my life so that I may take it again. No one has taken it from me. He says, I, it may look like they kill me. 
but I am willingly laying it down. I know what's going to happen, and I'm not avoiding it. I lay myself down for this. I lay down by my initiative. I have authority to lay down, and I have authority to take it up again. This commandment I receive from my Father. So I'm obeying every word that comes out of the Father's mouth, even at great cost to me. And so the people got stirred up, and they were saying, many of them are saying, he has a demon and is insane. Why do you listen to him? Others are saying, these are not the sayings of one demon possessed. A demon cannot open the eyes of the blind, can he? So some are, are just mesmerized by what he's saying. Others think he's a crazy man. Um, well, it's still similar today, huh? 22. At that time, the Feast of Dedication took place at Jerusalem. It was winter. So that's what we call Hanukkah, Feast of Dedication. And that is a um, that's a holiday. The Maccabees, um, it's in the, if you pick up a Catholic Bible, the Ma- I've never read them. I, I need to someday, but, um, the Maccabees, I think there's two of them and, uh, they're part of the Apocrypha books. There are books written between Malachi and the beginning of the New Testament. And, um, it, so it was a historical thing that happened where I think it's the, the Assyrians, which at the time were kind of a Greek people, um, I'm serious. I don't know. I forget exactly. Seleucids. Anyways, um, they had taken over, um, Israel and they, they put like a pig in the, in the temple and they, they just desecrated everything. And so, uh, the Maccabees fought them off, Judas Maccabee, and, and they uh, supposedly had this, um, uh, miracle of oil lasting eight days when it should have only been enough for one day. And so the the celebration feast of dedication became a thing, and and so it's a, it's actually a beautiful picture, uh, because it's now now so that that would be a very minor holiday. It seems that you ask it, most Americans that are not Jews, what's the biggest Jewish holiday? And probably Hanukkah comes to mind. It gets played up in our culture because um, it's near Christmas, so it gives the Jewish kids something to celebrate at that same time. Um. But it's not one of the seven major holidays given to Moses, uh, but it is a holiday that of something that happened to the people. So it's kind of like a Purim or Christmas or something like that, where it wasn't given by God, but the people have decided to celebrate in that way at that time. Sorry, I probably just offended some people, but that's the reality of uh, biblical holidays versus non, <laughs> you know, holidays given by God versus holidays created by man based on things that God did do. And so we see that with Feast of Dedication. Um, And so it was winter. Jesus was walking in the temple in the portico of Solomon. The Jews then gathered around him and were saying to him, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. All right. I feel like I've got to explain the Christmas thing now that I just uh, (laughs) threw it in the same boat with Hanukkah. Uh, Jesus was not born December 25th. Anyone who studies the Bible knows that that is true. Um, That date was picked around uh, dates that, although there's discrepancy, it's, it's not clear exactly. It seems to be just kind of around a time that the Roman uh, pagans celebrated like a sun god and others, uh, what was, I forget the name of the celebration. Um, and there, there's kind of some appeasement there. And so there's a little bit of mixture. I don't have the problem with it that I do at Easter. Easter's the name of a goddess of fertility, and I have a big problem with that. Um, and it 
steers people away from Passover and Jesus being the Passover lamb. So I have a big problem with that. I don't have a big problem with Christmas. Uh, we do not celebrate Easter in any form. Um, we, we do get together with family at Christmas time. And um, I don't really consider it a big, I don't consider it a holy day of the Lord because Jesus was not born that day. However, if you watch the show on YouTube called Star of Bethlehem, there, there might be some evidence that the wise men actually just happened to show up uh, to give the gifts to Jesus or his parents on December 25th, which would be just a kind of a cool thing the Lord did, you know, and we have to have all the history because even the Romans started moving the date. They started, they, the Romans changed the calendar. So even December 25th, it used to be one day and then they moved it. <laughs> and so there's really nothing particularly holy about that day, unless it's the day that the uh, wise men showed up and gave the gifts to Jesus, and then that's kind of a cool thing to celebrate, and, and that is a time of gift-giving for families. As for me, I consider it kind of a secular family holiday, and I actually personally like the fact, because uh, our extended family are Christians, but they don't walk in this way that we talk about, um, so it's a t- we get together with them, family time, and then when the high holy days, like the season that we're in now, they don't show any interest in these things, um, which I wish they did. But we can worship the Lord on the high holy days that God established uh, without distraction of traditions of our culture and things like that. So I actually like the setup. Um, I have no problem with Christmas uh, generally, but I, I do not consider it a biblical holy day set apart by God because it's just not. Um, so for the religious among you, <laughs> you know, you can look into all that if you like. Don't mean to offend anybody, but I'm going to move on now. So they said, tell us plainly if you're the Christ. And Jesus says, I told you and you do not believe the works that I do in my father's name. These testify of me, but you do not believe because you are not of my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give eternal life to them, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. He's basically just summing up everything he's already said. He says, my sheep hear my voice. He says, you don't believe me, but I'm testifying with my mouth. And the Father, God, is testifying through the miracles. So you should believe through these things. Um, But you don't believe because you're not my sheep. God has not given it to you to believe or your heart is not open for you to believe. He says, however, my sheep, the ones who are hungry to know the truth, they hear my voice and they follow me and I give them eternal life. They will never die like you will. You will have a gruesome eternity. They will have a wonderful eternity. Um, And I give them that eternal life, even in this life. No one will snatch them out of my hands. My Father who's given them to me is greater than all. He's God that created everything. No one's able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. And I and he are one. All of his life is in me, and I've given all of my life to him. There's no difference. There's a difference in the fact that he is creator God, and I'm a man. But I have died to myself and been filled with him. And he has appointed me because I'm the only begotten son. He has appointed me to have the fullness and to be the way into this life for all who do believe. This really upsets them. 
calling himself one with the Father. That's just too much. They pick up stones again to stone him. And Jesus answered, I showed you many good works from the Father. For which of them are you stoning me? And Jews answered, For good work we do not stone you, but for blasphemy, and because you, being a man, make yourself out to be God. Jesus answered them, Has it not been written in your law? I said, You are gods. If he called them gods to whom, I believe he's, uh, this is a psalm he's quoting, um, If he called them gods to whom the word of God came, and the scripture cannot be broken, do you say of him whom the Father sanctified and sent into the world, you are blaspheming, because I said, I am the Son of God? If I do not do the works of my Father, do not believe me. But if I do them, though you do not believe me, believe the works, so that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I in the Father. So he's saying, well, what do you say about the scripture? You believe that that scripture, you follow that scripture, and it talks about many gods, multiple gods, people being raised up as sons of gods. And so, how do you reckon that? Why? How can you, how can you stone me, kill me for saying something that has already been said? And your scripture is true because see, their eyes are not open to the real purposes of God that God would raise many sons in the world to represent him to all creation. That is his purpose and plan for us. But we, from the beginning, from Adam, turned away from him. Jesus came to reconcile so that he did not turn away as Adam did, but he dedicated his life completely to the Father, obeying the Father's every word, only doing and saying what he saw the Father doing and saying. And because of this, he restored the way back into the Garden of Eden for those who would be raised up as sons of God. And so he's the Son of God, but we are called to be sons of God. He's pointing this out to them in the Old Testament that this is the purpose of God. But the religious mind cannot handle the purpose of God because everything in Satan is against this. He's the ruler of this world, and every structure that he sets up to confuse people is absolutely against this thing. That's like, um, I believe as John says in one of his epistles, that um, those who do not believe that, uh, that ah, sorry, I can't quote it, but that God walked in the flesh, it's the spirit of Antichrist. The spirit of Antichrist is coming against the fact that God wants to fill people. First, Jesus penultimately Jesus, right? There's no way into this life except through Jesus. But many are called into this into this life. And the scriptures are very clear over and over again about this fact, as we'll get into as we read more and more. But you can also see it in the law of Moses. This was always the plan of God. This And back to Adam. What did he tell Adam? I want you to multiply, rule, and reign the world. This was always the plan of God. But it was lost, and Jesus has restored it to us. And as the scriptures say, in the end times, the fullness of this reality, God having a kingdom on the earth, heaven coming down to earth, that is his plan and his purpose, and he will do it. If you, God's not going to fail. Each of us get to decide if we're a part of it, but he's not going to fail. Each of us is disposable and dispensable. If we turn away from him, we are cut off. Now, I mean, he is full of grace and love and and that's not to say we can't make mistakes and he'll correct us and bring us in. Absolutely, he will. That's part of raising a son. My son was embarrassed, my six-year-old yesterday, 
because he said a really long, like five syllable word and he pronounced it differently than we would pronounce it. Um, in, interrogator, I think was the word. Interrogator was what he said. And I, and I was saying, because he made something in this class and they said, uh, he, he was calling it an uh, interrogator. And I'm like, what? Oh, what? Interrogator? And uh, it turns out that my 10-year-old had read the word and had told the word to my six-year-old, but no one, no one told him how to say it. He's just reading the words, and he's making English is a funny language. It, you never know how it's going to be pronounced sometimes. And as I was explaining to them, man, maybe that's how they see it in say it in England. I mean, there's nothing wrong with what you're doing. It's just not the way it's usually said. But he's embarrassed. But you know, I try to tell him, look, you're learning. It's good. You saw you made a mistake. That's just that's totally normal. The, but we, you correct your son and you move forward. And that's how we learn and grow. The father loves us in the same way. And he will correct us and we learn and grow. As long as our heart is always to follow him, he will complete his purpose in us. But the world is always tugging at us and it wants us to follow it. So it's more than just saying, yes, I follow the Lord, but then allowing the world to sway you in whatever direction. It's continually, daily, hourly, following the Lord. And that's not to be a burden. It's just to fill your heart with encouragement and strength and passion. That The more you push into the Lord, the more he opens up eternity to you in the here and now. And then, as we'll see towards the end of this book, then the Father is in you and you are in the Father. Then Jesus is in you and you are in Jesus. Then you all become one. And you become the fullness of God in the world, just as Jesus was. You know, having a different purpose. You're not the high priest. You're a priest when you walk into this. You're not the king of kings. You're a king. This is the order of Melchizedek. Um, you're called into this life, um, which is more than any of us can imagine even now. And that is his plan and purpose. It's more glorious than anything we'd come up for ourselves. So it's hard. We have to die to ourselves and our own ideas. But his ideas are better than our ideas. <laughs> if we simply are willing to give up everything that we feel like is owed to us in our flesh. And everything that we're distracted and tempted and, uh, we, you know, what's the word? Everything in the world that would have us go another way. If we're willing to die to those things and give ourselves to him. He will correct us, teach us, and bring us into the fullness of his life. And so after he says this, they're again seeking to seize him, but he, they can't quite get him. It's not his time yet. And he went away again beyond the Jordan to the place where John was first baptizing, and he was staying there. Many came to him and were saying, While John performed no sign, yet everything John said about this man was true, and many believed in him. And I've got a little bit of a short window today, so I'm going to wrap it up there. God bless you.